travel for me is a way of getting free. My way of pushing and manipulating the borders and boundaries of the system we're born into. And literally everywhere I go, I find a piece of myself. I find a little bit of healing. I find a little bit of peace. And it reminds me of our transience and frankly that our roots ain't down here. And even if they were, it wouldn't be to a country or to a flag or to a nation. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I love that beat so hard. Man, shout out to Jamie, a.k.a. Serotonin on Instagram, S-E-H-R-A-T-O-N-I-N, dope beat maker, part of a wonderful family here in Atlanta. Shout out to Atlanta. (laughs) Jamie and her husband, Chef Zoo Methuselah, are part of this larger movement around being well, about owning ourselves, you know, so you know I got to be part of that. So yeah, if you're looking for dope beats for your podcast, I feel like every third person should have a podcast (laughs) or whatever project you're working on, get at Jamie. As usual, y'all, I'm so grateful for your ears and your energy as we go through this Raising Free People work. And of course, you know, we're on the fifth Five out of six tracks were in the fifth track of the de-schooling release party mixtape. This is Aisha Cleland. Aisha is based in Berlin, Germany. I'm really looking forward to your feedback on that conversation, as always. Of course, the conversation is going to be good. And one of my favorite aspects of the conversation with Aisha is that we talked about And I don't think I ever used the term in our conversation, but we very much talked about self-mothering, what it means to nurture and mother yourself as an adult. Mothering is something for me that I don't associate with a gender. Anyone can mother. Not all do mothering, but anyone can take on mothering traits. And sometimes we have to mother ourselves. That is a part of self-care to know how to be tender and compassionate when you need to and firm when you need to. And Aisha and I are talking about how our nomadic spirits (laughs) called for a certain level of self-mothering. We have that in common. She's also a mother of two daughters. We also have in common that our first daughters came in like, yo, I'm on something totally different than anything that you've ever been accustomed to when it comes to children. Deal. (laughs) So we talk a little bit about that. And um, we also talk about being rooted in the stars, you know, as people who have always been explorers, even if it was just within a city. And Aisha has lived, I think, in many cities across the world. And Chris and I and Marley and Sage, we travel as well to a few different countries and a lot of different cities. And that is a part of my self-care. And it has been a part of our family's self-care for some time. And it's starting to shift into different things. But we really are talking about travel as a form of self-care, particularly when you are de-schooling from ideas around who your child should or shouldn't be. It's a touchy topic for me because travel can be also very elitist. You know, I see a lot of things online. I feel like I see things that I think can be toxic. 
And I think with travel, that's also one of those spaces where it's important for me to be deliberate and mindful about what I share. Because, for example, I could say to somebody, well, you know, if you want to try unschooling, then y'all just need to travel. You know, what we did is um, not everybody can do that, obviously. And you don't have to have a lot of money to do it, quite obviously, because we did it. <laughs> but there is a side to travel that calls for certain privileges that everybody doesn't have. It is with that in mind that Aisha and I have this conversation about not being rooted on the ground, but really being rooted in the stars and finding a sense of home wherever we are. Being in different spaces shifts you. It, it helps you to gain perspective. It opens you up to new ideas. It helps old ideas get some language so you can really be present with them. And so travel has been for our family, a really important part of our de-schooling process for that reason, because we were able to step outside of our training, our grooming, our indoctrination into the educational system and really start to see how we were participating in our daughter's oppression and in our own and what we could do about that. And so with that in mind, that's where this conversation comes from. Also with that in mind, I'm feeling through a live version of this, the de-schooling release party. As I mentioned to you last week, I was um, not overwhelmed, but surprised, definitely surprised by the level of feedback specifically about the focus on self-care. That for so many of us doing this work, because self-care has a specific flavor to it, <laughs> in raising free people work. So many of us are feeling like we want to be in the space together. We want to feel through some of that together. And um, because Jamaica was the first place where Chris and I really got to put the pieces together, maybe, you know, we were doing that, of course, before that. That's what led to us being in Jamaica for that first extended trip, catching with family, <laughs> staying in a room and, and um, you know, making do with a small space and it being a beautiful experience. Because Travel to Jamaica in particular was such a primary part of the journey. That's where I want to go again. And so I've been talking to a few folks who are in my email list about this de-schooling self-care retreat in Jamaica. And um, I'm seeing if that's feasible. I'm seeing how possible that is. I would love to cultivate that space. This is also one of those things where if there was a way that I can do this as a large event, so as many of us who can get there can get there, I would. But at this point, it's something where I think maybe 10 of us at the most, and I already have a very good spot in mind. <laughs> I already have some really simple, lovely self-care ideas in mind, and um, I want to share those with about eight people because I'd be co-hosting this with a sister friend if this comes to fruition. But if you're interested, you can go to the de-schooling page, akilasrichards.com forward slash de-schooling. So you'll see all six of the people from the de-schooling release party. And there's also a link for you to put your email address and then I'll communicate with you there. All right, let's get into it with Aisha. The show notes page, of course, is just going to be the episode number after my name, akilasrichards.com forward slash six three. So maybe this is a good distraction then right quick. Yeah, that's what I felt like, you know, because actually I had a reason to opt out of some stuff. There we go. <laughs> Official thing. 
Well, thank you for being on this official thing, Aisha. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes. Tell us a little bit about why unschooling or just raising free people work is relevant to your life right now. I was trying to think back and when I met you or when I first learned of the word unschooling or started thinking about self-directed. And um, I think like for most people, you, we've come to unschooling or the idea of self-directed from having children who don't really respond to authoritarian tactics. And that is my, my first daughter. She just never, well, she's only four, so it never is a big word for her. But um, <laughs> from the beginning, she just didn't respond to any of the sort of mainstream authoritarian limits, boundaries, timelines, time constraints, you know, that other children did or that I thought that other, other children did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I come from a family of educators, I would say. My mom opened a preschool when I was just about 10 or something like this um, that I also worked in as a pre-K teacher for years. And so I, I had ideas about how, you know, what children would sleep when you told them to. Yes. <laughs> they woke up when you said they ate this much, this many ounces of that at this time. And my daughter just didn't respond to any of that. I was super confused. Like, why is she not <laughs> sleeping in her own bed? Why Why is this every two hour thing not, not working for her? Why is she just always on the boob? Why am I still breastfeeding? I had an idea when she was first born that I was like, I'm going to breastfeed because I heard it's good for two months and then keep it moving. I ended up breastfeeding <laughs> her for three years because early on, she just, she just taught me that I should probably follow her lead. With <laughs> Listen. Oh my uh, goodness. So this is the other thing Aisha and I have in common. That first daughter came in like <laughs> Exactly. Just boots to the door. Yeah, yeah. From that was Marley fully. My body and everything responded and changed itself to her, even which yep. breasts would be full. You know, sometimes the left one is so full, it's like engorged and the right one is fine. And if she was just more comfortable on the right side, she would just sit there and my body would just adjust itself. Like, (laughs) these are the things that happened. And now she's 13 and that still happens in a very different way. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier today and especially with her, even though it's easy, well, easier very joyful and everything with my second, but I feel this, especially with my first daughter, Frida, that this parent-child relationship is really like a portal. Ooh. How Ooh. many things come through that relationship, just like from um, traits, from from people long dead, physical, yes. personality traits, all kinds of things, your lessons, your purpose, everything comes through that relationship. That is exactly mm. what it is. Like, why is it just so intense between the parent and the child? And that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, how many times you look at your child and you're like, wow, that's just like my grandma. Yes. Or she brought this back to me from my child. Sometimes even just something I fear, something that I haven't said or haven't acted on or anything, something I fear will come at me from something my child experiences <laughs> or something she says. And it's just crazy. I'm just like, how, <laughs> how does it come through? It is, it's just what it is. All of those energies, everything just comes through that relationship. And I really feel that. And that's why it's so important that we are intentional about the relationship, about not just parenting from a space of what I've come to call our emotional inheritance, like just what we're Mm -hmm. used to seeing or experiencing, or just from a space of fear that if I don't do it this way, then 
you know, how they're going to turn out, you know, just yes. all of these things that come up, right? But then you have a child like a Frida or a Marley who's like, um, yeah, that's cute. However, um, <laughs> this is what I'm saying up in here. Yes. And, um, and then they're fully just comfortable expressing themselves. Yes. I can see it in her face, even her <laughs> anger, when she's angry, when she's just willful and she wants something that I definitely 100% do not want. <laughs> I can just see that she is sitting comfortably in this conflict. And it is you (laughs) who will need to work around what is going on because it is you causing the issue, not her. You calls me. Yeah. She's like, you have to move. (laughs) Move. You have to move and figure it out. How are you going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And feel comfortable with it because I'm good with being angry and like, it's really crazy how she would do that. So, I mean, now I figured it out. Whatever the details were of how I came to unschooling, like I, I probably saw a post on Instagram or you or something, and I started researching this word, like whatever the details were, what really brought it to me was her <laughs> and everything that just came rushing at me through this portal. <laughs> like that's just, and, and it could have been anyone or anything or any word that triggered <laughs> right. the actual But research. it was there and the soil was ripe for it completely it as a result right. of freedomness completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I just learned too, we share that, that I, um, was raised, so between ages four and 10, I was raised by my paternal grandmother and she ran a daycare and it was a very regimented space. And so that's where a lot of my impression of what child rearing looked like came from. Because if grandma yeah. said lunch was at 1145, then lunch was at 1145. And that's what every kid did. Yes. And their parents also, you know, kind of bent to grandma because she's a very like assertive personality type as well. So that was very much my expectation of how children were. And so Marley was was very much a surprise because I was like, but Mm -hmm. it's it's seven months in now. So this is what should be happening here. (laughs) And I can certainly give a few weeks of a buffer because everyone's different. But, and she just found that stuff laughable. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) look, when she was about one year old, my husband's family decided, well, it's time for her to sleep in her own bed. At this time, she had been sleeping in my bed because, of course, I was breastfeeding and she was still feeding through the night and I didn't see a reason to change her. But everyone said, it's time for her to get into her own bed. It's like, okay, cool. Major failure Mm. and just didn't work. And one night I was just in the, I mean, it was taking so much longer to even just get her to sleep and to lay in the bed. And I'm going in there every second. And finally I was like, but this is just not fun and it's not easy. And I'm not chilling and I'm not sleeping and nothing's getting done. I just bring her back into my bed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not something that I really expected of myself. I expected more that I would want to follow the rules so that my kids would turn out this way and this way and that way. And not that I would be much more willing to um, prioritize (laughs) my comfort and my feelings and my relationship, really, my relationship with my child, that I would prioritize that over all of these rules and what should be and what everyone thinks. Right. But that's what happens. That's what happens when you have when you get present like that, because then you stop fighting it. As you said, with the sleeping thing, it's like, you know what? I know that there's an idea, a standard or norm or whatever, but I'm choosing to honor the language that's developing between my daughter and me, which says we will co-sleep because this is what feels good for us. I'm going to honor that over 
all the other things around me, even that alone calls for a level of self-care because there's so much pressure to acquiesce and to, and to not mistrain, quote unquote, your child. Yeah. Well, what you also realize is that a lot of this, a lot of the accepted wisdom, mainstream wisdom about how you raise kids and what the things that you need to do in order to produce such and such a type of child are really not based on anything. So once you actually do the research about children's sleep, what you realize is that they did a study of kids who co-sleep, kids who were sleep trained and sleep in their own beds, and kids who just sort of accidentally end up in their parents' bed Mm -hmm. during the night. And what they found was that the the parents who had intentionally decided to let their kids decide when they would sleep in their own bed, those kids exhibited more independence and confidence than all of the other kids. Imagine that. So, I mean, people can't believe when I actually tell them this research that that actually people have done studies and it's not true that when you make them sleep in their own bed, then they're more independent. No one believes it because they just just go with what they've been told or whatever idea they have in their head. So where we're at with it now, uh, where we live now in Germany, so um, homeschooling is illegal. Yeah. I think I've read about two or three families that do it (laughs) and they are constantly hounded and paying fines. And I don't think there's been any jail time levied yet, but um, certainly as someone just on a visa, I I wouldn't try it at the moment. Really my commitment to raising free people and to self-directed learning, which my husband is an agile business coach. That's also interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Someone who's basically been like, well, I think that we should probably send them to school for the first year so that they get a, a foundation, proper foundation. And then later we can think about unschooling, mm-hmm. homeschooling. That's where he started. Now through our conversations about uh, the pushback he gets with companies trying to take them into a more agile <laughs> way of working. Yeah. When I use those arguments that he makes with them back to him, the story starts to change. <laughs> that, and change. Of course. But <laughs> Interesting. That would make for such a good podcast, by the way, or reality show. Let me just it's tell you, I would watch that. <laughs> no, our discussions are really great. And it's really good to see him coming more and more to my side. Because really, if we decide that we want to go homeschooling, unschooling with them, we would have to move. Really big commitment from all of us and a lot of changes to our setup now. And so it's really interesting the mo- what we're in right now because we're really having to be sure about what we're doing, why we're doing it, right. and always being more and more clear about it because it isn't as though we can be like, oh, we'll take them out and then if we want to put them back into school right. later. No, it's a we, major, we major to- shift. Yeah. It sounds like the way Frida set up, it's not going to be very difficult for you to um, really just be a good witness. You know, Aisha is one of the women who joined me in that journey through Raising Free People Workshop. And we talked a lot about the decision-making process, you know, just the different ways that we get comfortable or uncomfortable with other people's understanding or lack of understanding on the decisions we make with our children. But when we have a child who is just really clear on who they are, one of the things that we talked about is learning how to be better witnesses, learning how to look at our children, not through the lens of what we want or fear, but what they're showing us, that portal, that same portal that you talked about, Aisha, like, you know, just trying not to block the lens to be like, oh, her spirit, the way she is, what she's saying, what she's doing calls for this. Maybe there's a type of school where there's a self-directed underpinning that will allow her to be herself, you know, so you'll just be able to make more informed decisions because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can really witness the actual her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, we've, we've begun this 
with her in terms of her preschool. So we didn't re-enroll her in a preschool. And um, at first she was really happy to go. And uh, now she has many days where she doesn't want to go. And because it's not compelled, I've decided that my way of honoring her journey through self-directed education, I would allow her to stay home when she feels like it. Yes. So we had actually a meeting with her group teachers yesterday. They were actually very heavy handed about it, Hmm. about the fact that, well, the fact from their perspective that it disrupts the group when she's not there every single day, exactly on time for circle time. And what we have to do for her is every day do the same thing, even through her objections, just get her ready, get her there, get her on time because she has to learn. And she's going to, yeah, I mean, it was really heavy handed the way they were speaking. The great thing was that I can feel the shift between my husband and I because we, in that moment, we even moved closer to each other physically. Wow. Yes, because you knew she needed that support. Like, yo, boom. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I started to explain to him (laughs) the many reasons why, first of all, it wasn't compelled at this moment for her to be in school. Yeah, because she's four, right? Because Mm -hmm. she's four and it's preschool and she doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. And, And that I wanted her to want to go. That when she wakes up in the morning and she wants to go, then that's what we do. Yeah. And when she doesn't want to, it isn't exactly that I'm like, anything goes. We have conversations about it. Yeah, I want her to also realize that sometimes it is when she's been out for three, four, five days, that her friends are different towards her. I'm not sure if it's, I don't know, something to do with the group dynamic or whatever, but this is what happens. So we have have conversations about that because then this is a natural consequence that she also has to recognize and figure out if it's important to her. Exactly. Making that informed decision, right. And to be okay with honoring her choice. These are life skills that she will need at four, at 14, at 44. You know, and you don't have to be grown and jaded and nearly broken before you start practicing these skills. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I want want her to be able to do that from now. Exactly. This is our our practice for it. And once we started explaining this, but then also that the relationship is between me and Frida and me forcing her and compelling her to do things that she doesn't want to do. You specifically, you specifically. Exactly. And and this, we talked a lot about this too in the workshop. We can very much become an extension of the system upon our children Mm -hmm. since we Mm -hmm. represent society Mm -hmm. because we're the primary caretakers. So, you know, it's gonna, if we are trying to cultivate a certain type of relationship, then everything from whether she's going in at this point to whether she feels like she's heard, whether I tell her to fix her face, you know, or, you know, these little things, (laughs) you know, these typical like islandy things that we're used to. Um, These little things become front and center. This is how we build a language. This is how we develop our own like parenting patois to say, look, I am cultivating a certain type of relationship. And if I perpetuate this, if I continue this, it's her and I that are getting that damage. My daughter and I now have a wedge. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It seemed to me like it never occurred to them that my relationship with her, that I would be the person who would impo- be imposing those exactly. rules on her in the home. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like preparing her for this reality, quote unquote reality. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I think with, for me, I mean, I've lived in about five or six countries my entire life. There is no country that I have to stay in not even my own. For me, I can make a life anywhere on earth, (laughs) find a job, find a community. I'm very, um, I'm confident in that about myself. The idea that I would have this much allegiance to a country that I wasn't even born in is just crazy to me. Okay. It's what it is here. 
Yeah. We haven't gotten to that point yet. And and you can't expect that I'm just going to come in and be like, okay, well, this is what it is in Germany. So this is what it has to be in our home. Because Mm -hmm. I'm here now and we made people and we're going to like make some decisions that are best for all. So Aisha, you said a lot right there and I don't even know if you recognize it. I thought immediately of the root chakra for so many of us as women, like this idea of feeling safe is tied to uh, being around our families, even if it's to our emotional Mm -hmm. detriment or being around our person, you know, our partner. So I'm always so excited to meet other nomadic types is what I call us because I've always been that way too. My mother is that way as well, actually. Yeah. We're very clear that we are home. It doesn't matter where we are. It certainly doesn't have to be where I was born or where I know anybody or whatever. But what do you think, what do you think got you to that point where you feel like you can be wherever and, um, and still feel comfortable and safe? That's a big question. It must be something in my genes or something. Like when you think about it, when you come from how they call it here in Germany, a migrant background. Yeah. I think there's just something in your, in your blood or in, in the way that you're, I mean, cause it's what my parents did, right? Like yeah. in the country of Guyana, came to America, my mom with not much. My dad was just a green card that his mom got for him. Mm-hmm. Don't know how she came here and secured green cards for all four or five of her kids. Because <laughs> that's you know how I mean? they like, do, yes. That's just what they do. And, then, and they came and they made it work, built businesses and had lots of success. Yeah. And that's just, you know, you've heard this idea that we're rooted in stars. That's where we're from. We're really experienced having a human experience mm-hmm. and you can have that experience anywhere. So I don't have this conception of myself as like a tree rooted in the earth. Yes. You're whole and you carry yeah. all of that with you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I can find a kernel of anything to, to grow into a, into a life anywhere. How do you feel through yourself, especially because, you know, we're mothering both. And I had a conversation recently with um, both girls about that. And I told Sage, I used to wonder, especially when you were younger, whether you felt like you got the same amount of attention from me as Marley. Because if we went out somewhere, you know, for example, we would go out to the park or whatever, and they're, you know, like four and two or something like that. Odds are, I'm going to stop to have to explain to Marley why she can't fill in the blank like five times. And it's going to be a thing. And she's going to say her reasons or she's going to find a corner to write me a letter, you know, or something (laughs) like that. She wrote a lot of letters. I used to do that to my mom. (laughs) You did? Oh, my God. What you did was wrong. (laughs) So, you didn't see my side of it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. Give me the letter. Chuck. While I'm doing all of this management, then there's Sage, you know, and she's like, no, mom, I don't require that. And I was like, thank you for saying that. Those are some yeah. of the things that come up. So it's again, so it's like your yeah. self-care practice needs to be so deliberate because there's yeah. so many things that make it feel really legit to be like, oh, my God, I fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It's really important that we learn to like just forgive ourselves. Just keep forgiving yourself every day because I don't get it right. I mean, if I could have one day where I get everything right, I would be really happy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's this idea that I mean, just with anything. Um, a few months ago, I decided I would try to eat more more vegetables. Mm-hmm. Well, my first thought was to try to be vegetarian, just go vegetarian, and it was so hard. I mean, and you start feeling bad about yourself. You feel like eating a burger, and you're just like, oh, forget it. I can't do it. You know. <laughs> That's just anything, like like when you decide to work out and then you miss a week and then you're like, oh man, forget, forget it. it. You know? But that's not the way though. Do you know nope. what I mean? You keep forgiving yourself and you keep going at it. And it's the same like with raising free people. I just feel like I so often get things wrong 
but I know that the underlying thread of basically de-schooling, healing myself, yep. and letting that bleed into my relationships and how I deal with other people, especially my kids. Yeah. That's why I say a lot of this is really just about us. There are portal in so many ways. And one of the ways is that unschooling, it's, you know, we start out talking about it from a space of education, but really it's about our own stuff, the way that we're leading ourselves, the way that we feel in our bodies and in our experiences. And as you said, how that bleeds out into our relationships as we nurture people, as they nurture us, especially our children. Yeah. My husband and I talk a lot, a lot these days about our triggers, what makes us act or react in a certain way. Yeah. And in this way, we're not always looking at the child as something that we need to fix or that we need to, that it's their fault or what should we do about them. But also it's as much, what do we do about us? And I think this is really the, really the de-schooling part of it, just examining ourselves and our motives and our intentions. Yes. You know, I'm always going back to an interaction or a moment that I feel like like I wasn't being my best self in that moment. And I'm like, but why? Right. For what? Now I can learn from it. Great. Yes. (laughs) And then we model that too, because I noticed that especially Marley Sage, less so just personality wise, but Marley can be pretty tough on herself. And, you know, I talk to her about it and I say, "I, I really wonder whether some of that is from me because particularly when it comes to my parenting, as I'm really unlearning a lot of things, I can be pretty tough on myself. And, you know, and she was like, yeah, I see that. And both of them said that they see it. So if we're not forgiving ourselves first and foremost, that's affecting us. It really is the first step. You're going to get stuff wrong before you start getting stuff right. Thank you. It really is about figuring. Yeah. And so how is that for you? Like as you just move about even travel wise and obviously just being mm-hmm. a mom, you know, at the stage that your girls are in now and you're living mm-hmm. in not your native country. There's a different language involved and all of these factors. What does self-care look like for Aisha at this stage in the journey? You know, I'm the kind of person to even just be average and just, just work, just going through the world. Okay. That I need to do a lot of meditation and chanting and I'm just that person. If I fall below a certain level of anything, um, yeah, depression could hit. Like, I'm, it's just, I, I, I'm, the, I'm that kind of person. Yeah, I think through my portals, a lot of ancestral memory, all that kind of stuff comes through, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in order to just, just be okay, I've realized that about myself. Is and that recent this, or is that something no, that no, you... No, no, this is something I've learned over like it. five years of like, hiding in the mountains and meditating and stuff like that therapy. And I just learned this about myself. Um, mm. Yeah. In, in just time that I've had. Yeah. To be by yeah. myself and Bits travel. Bits and pieces and coming that. together. Yeah. I had to do those before I could become mm. a mom. And that, that was clear for me. I would say from about like 21. Mm. That was clear. I was like, I'm just going to be alone forever with no kids. If I don't take care of this, 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 there was a lot of healing that needs to be done. And so I really went on like a probably decade long journey just to get myself. And you, you followed the direction and it led you to exactly what you were going towards, which is yeah. to have your partner and to, and to have your yeah. daughters. And, mm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Goosebumps. I, I, yeah. I needed to do the work before. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I'm trying to remember how I knew that, but no, I, I, there's I no one led. particular thing yeah. that came up. Yeah. yeah. 
would you call yourself an intuitive person? Do you feel like you've always been connected to um, what you need to do? Like, how did you not ignore that or toss that off as indigestion? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how did you know that, you know what, this is a thing? I don't know. You know, my mom also has really that crazy, like, intuition, like, dreams about stuff. Mm. And, you know, like, ghosts come to her. And she, she's really, yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. So when you she's, talk about that, that history. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have some of that too. It manifests in different ways for me. My mom's is more outward. Got it. And mine is more inward. And how is she with your um, nomadic ways? Because I'm assuming she that your mom doesn't it. live in Germany. No, my mom lives in, I mean, she, of course she lives in the state. She lives in Florida like everybody else. Right. <laughs> right. Of <But> course. She- <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I, I can't with New York. New York too cool. New York too cool. You know, just, <laughs> yes, that's what New York, you know, guy means. New York too cool. <laughs> like this. <laughs> She's always gotten it. Even if she didn't quite understand it intellectually, I remember at one point her just looking at me and being like, you know, you should move to Spain. You always wanted to do that, so you should do it. And I know that she didn't want me to go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know she didn't. But, but she, she knows was like, who she had. Yeah. 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 She's like, you need to. Go ahead. You know? And I, I remember them a year later visiting me there. And it was really like the best trip of my life. And it was amazing. And they've come, literally, they just get on a plane and come see me wherever I am. And even and though awesome. I think they would love to have me closer. Of course. And their grands. Of course. Yeah. But, but also they get it. the world. Yeah, they yes. get it. Yeah. And I think it, you know? Yeah. She's always gotten it. So it's never been a situation where I've had to explain it to her. Like yeah. she's always put it on some kind of level because she's just like that. That's the same thing with my mom. She just knew who she had. She knew the type of person that I was. And it was always just like, yeah. I trust you. I trust you with yourself. And then, um, uh, you can... Okay, but can you give me a few minutes, please? I was going to say, you know... When I first had kids, I was like, I remember how, how my mom used to um, change diapers or whatever, mm-hmm. or how she used to rub you down after a bath or yeah. prepare the bottle or all these kinds of things that I haven't necessarily done because I've chosen different ways that were more organic to me. What I really want to take from my mom is that, that she always trusted my intuition of how I should do things, you know? Yeah. Just she didn't put that in yeah. front of you. She didn't put that in front of, yeah, what she knew or intuited that I needed. Yeah. Like she really followed my intuition and yes. followed what she, what she knew would be right for me, even if she didn't quite understand it. This I really want to take for my kids. Not all of these things about bedtime or how many times you need to bathe in a week or <laughs> right. all this stuff. When to wash the hair. When to wash the hair and brush it and the bottle and this and that and... All yeah. that stuff is, those are details. Yes, you know? yes. And it, it, might, it might be organic to one person and not to another. And I think, yeah. especially at this stage, we get so caught up in those details. Absolutely. That we don't even really think of, you know? Of course, of course. Then <laughs> we miss out on the important things, like how they communicate their needs to us because we're like, uh, <laughs> do this thing. And, I, and it also allows us to celebrate our, our mothers, right? There's things that I don't celebrate about my relationship with my mother. There are also many things that I do, including that way that she also trusted me with myself and made sure I knew that she trusted me with myself. Yeah, yeah. But when you're you're intentional, 
sweetie. It does not have battery. <laughs> It's like I want a different answer. She does want a different answer. I'm not sure I can give it to you. You know what you can do? Look, Mama. Look, look, look. Yes, Dora. Dora, can I finish this? You just take my phone and Dora. Okay. Okay. Great. You see. Somehow mm-hmm. I will make it through now, Mother. Thank you. You've done well. <laughs> Listen, we really she was the same done. for us. Doa is her. Doa, Mama Doa. <laughs> Doa was our lifesaver for everything. I had a Dora everything in my bag. You heard a noise. Boom. Pull it out. Look at this. Dora keychain. Shiny. Dora. Dora. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is like, oh, man. How many nights nice have we made it through Vietnam <laughs> with Dora? With Dora. Like, we want to eat. Dora. Dora. <laughs> Shout out to Dora. This might have Shout to be a part of the episode name, yo. Shout out to Dora. Dora. She's brown. She exactly. has my kids saying stuff in Spanish. Yes, bilingual, brown. Yeah, and, and I think she's always fly. Her stuff is laid. She's a teenager now, you know. She's a teenager. I know, but I was afraid to watch it. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for Dora to be a it's teenager. Dope. I know that it hits a little too close to home because you, <laughs> your girls are growing up and you're like, no, not Dora, That's what it but is. it's dope. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing what yeah, the real yeah, issue was. You yeah. see what we did there? You see how we just de-schooled that situation? I get it. <laughs> Let that be I'm getting lesson. good at this. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, drops mic, yo. Episode is over, y'all. Bad next week. Peace. <laughs> it's Yes. Right. <laughs> Aisha, if we're listening and we're like, okay, I need more of that, what is the best way for folks to just like peek in or reach out? Yeah, everything is on Instagram. I'm at Aisha underscore Berlin. Aisha spelled I E I S H A H underscore Berlin. And I'll be sure to drop that in the show notes page too. So you guys can peek in and I'll have a few photos that I will teeth from her Instagram page because they're all beautiful. <laughs> And I appreciate you so much. Like you really absolutely felt from the beginning and still feel very much like tribe, like my peoples. So I'm so happy to share a little bit of your story. I'm so glad I found you, to be honest. I'm so glad I found you. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves. Owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity. Creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces. Breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning. 